Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Boy, God is so good, isn't he? It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Any chance we have opportunity to be in the house of the Lord, I thank you for being here today. It's a good group out today, and we're thankful for any guest or any visitor that's here with us today. Thank you for choosing Open Bible to come on Easter Sunday. It's a Resurrection Sunday for us as Christians. I hope you just don't say Happy Easter. I hope you say Happy Resurrection and draw attention to Christ today. What a wonderful thing that He is alive and that He arose up from the grave. He arose. Would you take your Bible with me and turn to the Gospel of John in the New Testament? If you're a guest with us today, there should be a Bible located in the pew in front of you there, the gray-colored book there, the Bible, the greatest book ever written. And you're welcome to keep that Bible. If you don't have one, we'd like you to take that, even though it says Open Bible Baptist Church on the front. That will remind you where it came from and that we want you to come back and visit with us again. Next Sunday would be a great Sunday to have you back. And we are thankful that you're here with us today. John chapter 19, if you would. John chapter 19, but you are welcome to keep that Bible. If you need one or you'd like to have it, you're welcome to take it. And that would be great. John chapter 19, the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at just a little bit here about what Jesus went through. You know, Jesus went through a whole lot for us on the cross, and He was dead, and then He was buried, and then He rose again, and I'm thankful for that. John chapter 19 and verse 28, and I know you just found your seat there, but would you stand if you're physically able, just out of respect for the Word of God, I'd like to read starting in verse 28 of John chapter 19, which reads this. It says, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was their preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day. Is it still a high day for you and for, for I? Besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bare record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done. Aren't you glad they're done? That the Scripture might should be fulfilled, a bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they pierced. I want to ask you this morning to look on Jesus. Look on Jesus whom they pierced. 
He is alive. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the Word of God. I pray that we will look to you, look past anything that we're thinking about, look past any festivities later on, look past anything that might be going in our heart, that might be burdened our heart today, that we would leave completely different than when we came in. And Lord, I pray that we are ready to receive what you want for us. Please use me, I pray. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the burial. But thank you so much for the resurrection and that you are alive with us today. I pray that we show you alive in our life. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I begin too much farther, I want to make sure I do my part as a, a good assistant pastor, if I may, and make sure I tell you greetings are from Pastor Yanizzi and, uh, from Florida, and he's thankful that he's able to be there today, but he also is with us in prayer. Aren't you thankful for prayer? And, the, and we're thankful that he's praying for us, and I want to make sure he told me to tell you uh, hello and happy Resurrection Sunday to you as well. Find, please, with me in verse 38, John 19. We just read how Jesus said it is finished. How He said that it is done. The Scripture was fulfilled. How we can look on Jesus and how they looked on Him that day. But notice in verse 38, please, it says, And after this, Joseph Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for the fear of the Jews... You know, you can be a disciple and still try to be in secret about it. That's not a good thing. Besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, excuse me, Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and alloys, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wounded in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Jesus is laid in a tomb, the resurrection is going to take place, but he had just died, he was, he was just buried now, and, and he's going to arise from the tomb Robert Lowry, born close to, to us in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and pastored in Plainville, New Jersey, said this. He, he composed a text in a tune which is known as the Easter Gospel Hymn. And the song he wrote from Luke 24 said, He is not here, for He is risen. But the words of the song say, Lo, in the grave He lay, Jesus my Savior, waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Vainly they watch His bed, Jesus my Savior. Vainly they see the dead. Jesus, my Lord. Catch this. Death cannot keep its prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. Up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph o'er His foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And He lives forever with His saints to reign. He arose, He arose. Hallelujah. He arose. I want to ask you this morning, is the resurrection important to you? What does it mean to you this morning? What kind of meaning does it carry? Because Jesus is alive forevermore. He is alive. 
He's been alive. He's staying alive. And He will continue to be alive. And I don't know about you, but Jesus being alive is so important. For if Christ was still dead, then He has no ability to save you or I. And the thing of it is, I need to be saved from my sin. You need to be saved from your sin. Yes, we are all sinners. You're in good company today. We're all in the same category as sinners today, in the same grouping as sinners. And by the way, we're all sinners in the world today. And how many of you know that we are nothing but a bunch of sinners in this world today? Yes, and that is true. And so, ultimately, Jesus came and He died and was buried so that that terrible place called hell that I deserve for my sin was paid for with His punishment on the cross. But you know, throughout Scripture, we see a genealogical list. Would you take your Bible and turn to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, if you would. In Genesis chapter 5, we see something that takes place. It's really quite amazing how long some of the people lived back in the day. Genesis 5. Genesis 5, please. Notice something with me. Not only did they live a long time, but something keeps happening to them. And something happened, and it continues to happen. And in Genesis 5, in verse 1, would you notice, please, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, made he him. Notice verse 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years. Can you imagine living 930 years? But notice, please, it says, and he died. Verse 8. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, 12 years, and he died. Notice, please, verse 11. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. Verse 14. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. All the days, verse 17, of Maalil were 890 and 5 years, and he died. Verse 20. And all the days of Jared were 960 and two years, and he died. Verse 23, And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You still can look for Enoch, and you still won't find him. He's still missing in action. Verse 27, And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and nine. He's got the record. He holds the record. All these grouping here, but notice verse 27, it says, and he still died. Fast forward, many more years later, Buddha is dead. Fast forward, many more years later, Hinduism leader is dead. Muhammad is dead. The Mark communist is dead. The leaders of leaders after leader, Hitler is dead. Follower after followers, they die. Person after person, they die. But if Christ, when He had died, stayed dead like every other person that's ever come into this world, that has left this world, you and I will leave this world one day. But if Christ stayed dead like all the rest, everybody else, then guess what? He's no different than any other person. But today is not just any other day. This is... Happy Resurrection Sunday. This is something we're talking about. He is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. And just like today, the mightiest conqueror is still death. It's still death. 
But you name anyone that's not in the grave, and the only one you're going to say is Christ. The only one is Christ. I'm so thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and there's no greater power than that Jesus rose from the grave. Luke 24 says, They entered in and found not the body. Matthew 28, He is not here, for He is risen. Get this, please. Jesus arose from the dead, and it breaks the power of the grave. It breaks the power of sin. It breaks the power of death. Oh, the resurrection is so powerful. The resurrection surpasses the power of any power plant. It surpasses the power of any atom, any hydrogen, any cobalt, any uranium, any explosive. Matter of fact, those have all the power to destroy, but the resurrection has the power to give life and life to death itself. My friend, that's powerful. That's very powerful. There's nothing, absolutely nothing more incredible, more powerful, more amazing than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive. Because of the resurrection, we can triumphantly say in in 1 Corinthians, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's victory in Jesus. That's for real. It's the real victory that we can have, you and I can have. Can I ask you, can we just stop a second? Are you living a victorious Christian life? Are you miserable? Or are you victorious? Do you have the joy of the Lord being your strength? Do you realize who you have? Do you realize that Jesus can be your Jesus? And if you call yourself a Christian, you say He is your Jesus. He's alive. He's meant to be alive in us. He's meant to be alive in you and I. And I want this morning, I pray that we reflect just as if we were to take a mirror and look at a mirror that it would reflect, hopefully not just ourselves, but that it would reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we see Jesus in you? Can you see Jesus in me? If you have Jesus, we should see Jesus alive in your life. First reflection, if we look at a reflection and we want to see a reflection of the resurrection, then we're going to see proof of who God is. Proof of who God is. The resurrection is proof of who God is. Romans 1 says He declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. You know, the resurrection being true, it is true, means that Jesus is true. That He is the Son of God. That the Son of God means He arose from the grave and the empty tomb connects the crucifixion with the resurrection. That body that disappeared was the body of the crucified Lord. Luke 23, it says, Behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor, and he was a good man and a just, and the, the same had not consented to the counsel indeed of them. He was of Arimathea, as we read just a few minutes ago, and, and they took Jesus, the body of Jesus, and laid Him in that sepulcher. Dear ones, if if Jesus did not arise from the grave, then we are of all men most miserable. I wonder this morning, are you miserable? We're to be victorious. We're to have victory in Jesus, and He's alive, and He's to be alive in our our heart. We have Jesus, and Jesus did not rise from the grave. We're still dead in our sin, but Jesus did arise from the grave. 
If, if we have no hope of eternal life and the resurrection is what really truly brings even heaven as a, a hope for eternity, that is something that happened. That is something that took place. And Christ is to show forth in our life. And I ask you this morning, is your Jesus little? Or is your Jesus big? Man, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. And that's for you and for eyes, triumphant. We look in the mirror, the reflection, we see there's proof of who God is. In John 20, would you take your Bible and turn to John 20? John chapter 20. She knows what takes place here, and particularly in verse 3 down through verse 7. Will you reflect on the fact that the resurrection is proof of who God is? Oh, how, is, how does Jesus look? Well, he, he allows us to have Jesus in our heart if we trust in Him so that we can show the lost Jesus. Yes, to our world, to their world. John 20, verse 3, it says, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple, this is in the book of John, he's talking about himself, he calls himself that other disciple, the beloved, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter. Now he's humble enough not to name his name, but he's also com- competitive enough to say he outran Peter. How many of you are competitive? Those of you who didn't raise your hand, you, there's still comp- more competitiveness in this room than what raised their hand. And he says he outran Peter, but he came to the sepulcher and knows what he does. He's stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes, yet he went not in. He outran him. He got there first. But then he just stayed and waited for Peter. Now, Peter's not bashful. Peter has a way of saying what he thinks. Peter has a way of doing what he wants to do. And Peter goes right in. Notice verse 6, then comes Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher. Notice what they see. They see the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Many of you are going to eat this afternoon, have lunch, you're going to take a napkin, hopefully you use a napkin. If you don't use a napkin, more than likely, there's obvious proof that you don't. You'll get that in a second. Or everyone else will see what's on you still, and they'll maybe say, hey, I think you need a napkin. And that napkin oftentimes is taken and then it's just folded up and wadded and just put on the, on the table there as if to say, you're, it's finished, you're done. Not with Jesus. The napkin is placed and, and taken off the napkins that were wrapped around his head and they're, they're folded. By the way, if Jesus, hey boys and girls and, and young men and young ladies, if Jesus can, from being dead, get up and then fold his clothes, maybe you could fold your clothes. <laughs> But here's, here's the thing. The reason he folded his clothes is to show that he was no longer there. And it wasn't, it is finished. It is, I'm coming back. That's why they're folded. To say, I'm coming back and I came back and I, I'm going to return. And by the way, that's the first resurrection. There's going to be another resurrection. It's coming one day. Will you make that resurrection? Because Jesus made the first resurrection. But will you and I make that second resurrection? John chapter 20, it says this, it says the folded and the, the linen clothes were lying wrapped together in a place by itself. This 
Mary Magdalene came to the sepulcher, came to the tomb, and John and Peter and, and others with them, and they see that the clothes are lying there. It's proof that he's no longer in them. It's also proof that he carefully laid them from around his head, and also proof that it wasn't a body that was stolen, like Mary Magdalene thinks, that grave robbers had taken his body. That's not the case. It was Jesus up from the grave. He rose. Get this, please. If you don't catch anything else this morning, please catch this. The empty tomb, the stone was rolled away, not so Jesus could get out. No, 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 no. But so you and I can enter in. That's the, that's the deal right there. That's, that's, the, that's the kicker. That's the, that's the main thing because he says he's the way, the truth, and the life. You know what he wants? He wants you to come into, his, into him, and he wants you to come into that sepulcher. He wants you to see nobody there. That he's gone, he's up from the grave, he's risen. He wants you to enter in Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He, up from the grave, arose. He, he doesn't need to have a stone move for him to get out. No, he wants you and I to see that he is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, your faith... My faith is no good. It's in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16, it says, if, if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Do you only have hope in Christ for this life only? Or do you have hope in Christ for eternal life and a life after this life? Because now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. If Christ is still dead, He can't help you or me with anything. Nothing at all. But my God shall supply your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's my God. Because He's alive. He's not dead. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, and reserved in heaven for you. To an inheritance un incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Can I ask you, if, if Jesus Christ were not alive, where would your source of peace and joy come from? Proof of who God is. Is it in your life? The resurrection is proof of who God is. Is, is God in your life? Is there proof? The resurrection, He's alive. In Thy presence is fullness of joy. At Thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. For He is not God of the dead, but the living. For all live unto Him. Another reflection. Another reflection. Reflect on this, that the resurrection is at the very foundational level of the Christian faith. See, if Christ not is raised from the dead, then He's not alive, and our Christian life is lifeless and worthless, but in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Christianity is not a lie. It's not a deception. 
You say, well, I know some Christians that seem to not be very good Christians. Well, it's because they're not living according to the Word of God. But God's Word cannot lie. It's promised before the world began. Blessed be the Lord that had given rest unto His people according to all that He promised. There hath, listen to this, there hath not failed one word. Not even one word. Not even one word has failed. Let me get one word. Let me get one up here. Okay, here we go. According to all that He promised, there hath not failed one word of all His good promise. See, without a risen Savior, we have nothing to justify our faith. But in Romans 4, it says, Now it is written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live ye shall live also. Do you realize? Because He's alive, He's alive with you and me. Oh, the boasting glory of Christianity. It's the empty tomb. It's the empty tomb. Jesus is risen. One man said this way, on, on the cross, Jesus cried, it is finished. And His resurrection shouts loudly an amen. An amen and amen to that. The resurrection is 150 times in the New Testament. Another reflection of the resurrection is this, this is the ultimate miracle of all miracles. The ultimate miracle of all miracles. You realize Jesus Christ's resurrection is the greatest miracle that could ever take place? By the way, it's so great that all other miracles should be actually easier for us to believe because the resurrection is the greatest for Him to be alive. One man said the proof of Christ's resurrection are incomparably greater than any other miracle, and its consequences are beyond conception glorious. Christ's resurrection is our Gibraltar. If we cannot hold this position, we cannot hold any. But we do hold it. And with the whole field of controversy upon the subject, yet let anyone who doubts or denies the reality of miracles meet the overwhelming proof of this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the greatest of all miracles. If you cannot believe this, you should still yield to it. For it is no dishonor to be vanquished by the truth, as the resurrection holds with it truth of all truths. Another reflection of the resurrection is this. It's a focal point and the driver of Christ's teaching. And He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. The focal point of Christ's teaching was the resurrection. Another one is this, and listen to this please. The result of our Lord's resurrection, get this, puts a nail in Satan's coffin for good. I like that. I hate Satan. I hate the devil. And we should hate sin. And the devil has everything to do with sin. The lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, and, and, and the world, the flesh, the devil... And the result of the resurrection, that means my God is not dead, He's alive. And that puts a nail in Satan's coffin for good, forever. And I'm thankful for that. You, you, you say, where do you find that in Scripture? Well, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. Another reflection of the resurrection, you want to see it in the mirror, the reflection shows complete evidence that death is not victorious. 
I'm glad that, you know, we live this life, and however long we live this life, and then it says the amount of years, and then it says dead. You know, it says on our tombstone, here lies, but it says on, on Jesus, it says, he has risen. Big difference of what's put on, a, on the sepulcher. For as in Adam, even all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. I want to ask you this morning, are you, are you alive unto God, or are you content with your sin? Do you see your sin as sin, or... You know, a true Christian is to desire to, to, to be free from sin and to sin less and not to sin freely. And one person said the cause of all sins in every case is the problem of ourself and the love of ourself. Do you see sin as sin? So what is sin? Well, sin is anything that goes against God's Word. What is sin? Piper said this, it's the glory of God not honored. It's the holiness of God not reverenced. That's what sin is. Yes. The greatness of God not admired. The power of God not praised. The truth of God not sought. The wisdom of God not esteemed. The commandments of God not obeyed. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The goodness of God not savored. The beauty of God not treasured. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The presence of God not prized. The person of God not loved. You know who's in the way? I am. You know who's in the way? You are. Ourselves are in the way. We find very easily others' sin. It's amazing how we can find everyone else's sin but our own. It's amazing how we can point all the fingers at everyone else and they're wrong and man, they're not doing right. And man, are they, are they saved? Do they know Jesus Christ? Wait a second. Judge not unless you be judged. And by the way, that judgment's coming. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to answer it. You're going to have to find yourself whether or not you put your trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And it's amazing how we say, yeah, they're a sinner. But you know what? I'm a sinner. And we need to look in that mirror and see who's there. And the reflection. Man, I want to see a reflection of the resurrection. I want to see what the resurrection has done in my life. I want to see a reflection of what the resurrection has done in your life. And a reflection that the resurrection of Christ establishes, get this, it establishes the church. It establishes the church. Jesus said, I will build my church in Ephesians. And he said... That it, that it wrought when he raised from the dead and sought him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And then verse 22 and 23, it says, He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. You know what it means to be the church? It means to be full of Christ. To raise up the standard and to be full of him. And, and one man said this, The highest honor of the church is to be full of Christ. I asked you this morning, are you full of Christ that you're overflowing Christ? Man, I want my cup filled all the way to the top. Get as much in that glass as you can. That way I have that much to drink. And by the way, I wonder how full we want to be of Christ this morning. He's alive. He's meant to be alive in our life. And another thing about the resurrection to reflect is this. The resurrection is meant to be preached. Yes, it is. And I'm thankful for today. But the resurrection is not just a once a year thing. And it's not to be just a discussion. It's, it's meant to be a constant reality in our life. And hear this please, we can and we should live every day of our lives in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Resurrection is being preached in our lives, all of our lives. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching in vain and our faith is in vain. 1 Corinthians 9, necessity is laid upon me. It's, it's mandatory. It's needed. Notice, laid upon me and you. Yea, woe is unto me and you if you and I preach not the gospel. This is, where, this is what it says, necessity is laid upon me, and yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And that's, that's to be personal to you and to me, not just somebody that's standing behind a pulpit, but for all of us. Because if our gospel is hid, guess who it's hid to? It's, it's hid to those that are lost. And I, I believe this morning that in a group like this, in a setting like this, in a crowd like this, that there's unbelievers and there's believers. And I believe this morning that we can actually leave this morning all believers we don't even, there doesn't have to be any unbelievers. By the way, you're in great company because many are believers and they want you to be a believer. And that's a wonderful thing. The greatest decision of my life, the greatest thing that happened to me is the day that I put Jesus Christ into my heart, into my life, and I asked Him to, for my faith to be completely in Him for heaven. That's the greatest decision, the greatest day, the greatest comfort. Oh, I need to be reminded of the gospel. I need to be reminded. You know, we can make, we cannot make, excuse me, we cannot make too much of the death of Christ, but we can make too little of the resurrection. You know, the world stops. Today is Easter. And we recognize that. And, and the thing of it is, that most people are content to accept the fact, well, maybe Jesus arose, maybe He didn't. Can I tell you this morning, He did. Can I tell you this morning, how do you know? Because I talked to him today. And I know that he lives what's inside me. And, and I know that he's real. And I know that he's alive because he's alive within me. And he can be alive within you. And I know he's alive because he's within me. He lives inside my heart. And I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever man may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And man, just the time I need Him, He's always there and always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. I love that He walks with me and talks with me. A long life's narrow way. And we come to some narrow ways in our life. And He's there. He loves us. Never to leave us, never to forsake us. Salvation to impart. You ask me, hey, how do you, how do you know He lives? Well, He lives within my heart. And you know, that started on that day that I believed in Him. And a person cannot be saved without believing in the resurrection of Jesus. That's why it's meant to be preached that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, Romans 10, 9. John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You want to live? You got to believe in him. John three thirty six. He that believeth on the Son have everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son. You don't want to believe? You don't believe the Son? Well, you're not going to see life. 
But the wrath of God is going to abide on you. And John 3.15 says that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. You want to believe in Him? You want to not perish? You want to have eternal life? you got to believe. you got to believe. In Jesus, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much He died for you. One man said, how do I know Jesus loves me? He said, He loved you enough to spread His arms out on the cross for you, for me. And to die on that cross. A death that was not deserved by Him. What was deserved by you and me. For your sin, my sin, all of the sin of the whole world. See, Jesus was led to Golgotha on the outskirts of town that day. And that day, they nailed Him to that old rugged cross. And that rugged cross is an emblem of suffering and shame. But I love that old cross. It's where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. And you know, all because of that day, my Savior's body clung to the cross, that day, that the mockers gathered round, and that day the, the sky spoke like thunder, and when he finally bowed his head and he gave up the ghost and three hours of darkness on the cross, and that day the one who had given his life now hung there dead. Greater love hath no man than this, and that he lay down his life for his friends. That day was the worst punishment that could ever be for one man dying for the sins of the whole world. All mankind's sins. That day he was bruised and despised and rejected. And that day a man of sorrows was acquainted with grief. And that day we hid as it were our faces from him and we esteemed him not. But he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. And we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded that day for our transgressions. That day for your transgressions. That day he was bruised for our iniquities. That day the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, that day we're healed. That day changed eternity and provided eternal hope to one that believes. And even if it's one this morning that believes, that day can change your life forever. Because in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth, in other words, he showed, he proved it. His love toward us, you and me, all the world, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the end of that day, they still took Jesus and laid him in the grave, thinking he's gone, gone forever. But that was not the last day. Because in John 20, verse 1, would you turn back there with me, please? The end of that day, they thought was the end of him. And Mary Magdalene, one of the first, not the first, the first day of the week, says in verse 1, cometh Mary Magdalene early. By the way, notice when she came, it was in the dark. Isn't that bravery for a lady to be going in the dark? By herself, coming to the tomb, because she loved Jesus, is why. What do you and I do for Jesus? Under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Taken away that day. Why Mary Magdalene? Why is Mary so concerned about what happened to Jesus? How come it's Mary Magdalene that's first, the, the first person there? Why? Because Jesus had changed her life. 
You know, Mary Magdalene had, had seven devils and they were cast out and Jesus had, had helped her with that and changed her life forever. And you can't forget that. See, when Jesus changes your life, you'll never forget it. When He really does a radical change in your life, when you are a sinner and you know what you deserve and you know all your past and all that just hangs over your head and it's all this baggage, if I may, that you're hanging on to, when you get a hold of Jesus and Jesus comes into your heart and into your life, you know, the, the past is left in the past and, and the future is, is bright because your future is the greatest. It's heaven, heaven to be your home and you have Jesus. Who else do you, more, and what else more do you need? And you don't know what I'm even talking about unless you take Him as your Savior. But man, if you take Him as your Savior, what a change He can do. And Mary Magdalene realized the change that Jesus had made. And I wonder this morning, I think she was there first because she just hadn't gotten over that change. It hadn't become old to her. Is Jesus still changing you and I? Are we content with where we're at? But we all open face beholding the glass. That sounds like a reflection. The glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. Can I ask you this morning, has there been a change in your life because you've taken Jesus into your life? See, we're to walk as children of light if we have the light. And we're to have Jesus show up in our life and Mary knew what was missing. Matter of fact, she, notice, she says, verse 2, she runs, she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter. There's, have you noticed there's a lot of running taking place here today? I mean, you have, you have Mary running to Peter and, and John, and you, and, and you have John outrunning Peter to the tomb and, and saying, I, I outran him and I got there first. And then Peter, or John stays there and Peter goes in and they see that no one's there and he's risen and up from the grave he did arise. But Mary notices Something, would you please notice this with me, please, as well? Verse 11. But Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting at the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Verse 13. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And here's my question for you and for I. This morning, who are you seeking? Who do you seek? Dear Christian, do you realize when Jesus is there, and you think he's missing? She thinks he's the gardener. It's Jesus. He's there all along. He's still alive. He's still there. He arose, and she gets to be the special one to see Jesus. And by the way, Jesus says, go and tell many people as you can. Go tell the other disciples. 500 more people um, actually see, see him alive and the testimony of that. It's obvious that she had been with Jesus. Because lastly, this morning, is there a true reflect? on the resurrection, and a true reflection will do this. It'll bring about a true reflection of God. 
Can I ask you this morning, if we take out a mirror, you take out a mirror, whether you have it in your pocketbook or whether you have a mirror somewhere else, is there a reflection of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is in you. He's coming to your life. Whom do you seek? Whom do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Well, notice please, verse 29. This is wonderful. Verse 29 of John 20. Jesus says to Thomas, he wants to see the, the prince of Jesus. He said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Those who have not seen yet believe. You know who that is? It's you and me. You haven't seen Jesus. It's not, it's not some mystical thing that you say you've seen Jesus. I've seen Jesus in a dream. No, you have not seen Jesus. But you can see Jesus one day. And blessed are they, matter of fact, who have not seen and still believe. And yet believe. Verse 31, these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. I want to ask you this morning, do you need to believe? I want to ask you this morning, have you not yet believed? Has there been a time in your life that you've asked Jesus into your heart? Did you put your trust in, complete trust in Him? Dear Christian, does it show up in your life, the resurrection? Ah, uh, Another year, another Easter, another Resurrection Sunday. No, he's to be alive. He's to be alive in our, in our life, in our heart, so much so that it shows up. Reflection of Jesus. Would you bow with me, please? Lord, as we come to you, I, I pray that this is spoken to our heart. I ask you this morning to help any of us that do not know Jesus this morning. And those of us who do know Jesus as believers, may we have you show up in our life. May you not be a little Jesus, but may you be a God that is so big, so strong, and so mighty. Believing, trusting, there's nothing God cannot do. You arose, you're alive. May you be alive in our life. I ask you for it. for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.